this opportunity to explore your word, to come into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, so that we all may have one faith in you. We ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us, direct us, and to be with us so that the, at the end of this, we are able to come away with a new knowledge, a new understanding of you, a new appreciation. We thank you for all you have done for us. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mom, we are back again on another wonderful topic. And before I begin, I would like to just acknowledge that we have the dogs with us, Hank and Comet. Hopefully they'll behave themselves. We're going to begin with something that really got me thinking. And it, it only began with a question. And mom, have you ever had a question posed to you that really got you thinking and said, I never really thought about this in such a way? Yes, I have. The question that was posed to me a few weeks ago in Sabbath school when we were talking about prayer. When Jesus prayed, he'd often would just end his prayer, but he didn't end his prayer in his name. We are admonished that when we pray, we should always pray in the name of Jesus. But he says, if Christ is our ultimate example, if he didn't pray in his name, why are we praying in his name? Well, we are praying in his name because we are the sinners and we are trying to come to God through Christ who is sinless. Now Jesus was sinless, still is sinless, and so therefore he need not have pray and end his prayer in his name because it already is going through him to God and they both are sinless. We are the sinners who are in need of a mediator and that mediator is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we have to say in Jesus name, because he is the one who is going to take it to our heavenly father. He is the one who is our mediator because we are the sinful creatures. So in other words, Christ never sinned. We are the ones since Adam and Eve fell because we weren't there, but because we are the offspring of Adam and Eve, we inherited their sinful nature. Yes. So having this sinful nature, we are so separated from God. There is no way for our sins to be washed away except through the works of Christ. Yes. And when he came to this earth, one of his mission was to draw us back to God. But yes. we are not able to do that on our own. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 to 15, really explains why it's very important for us to understand why Christ came and died for us. Mom, you go ahead and read that, please. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in one into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifier to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So before we move on to other verses that we're going to connect to that would explain Christ as our mediator, that's the first part of this topic is understanding 
Christ as our mediator. And then the second part is to explore how powerful that name is on our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 9, you pointed out earlier on that Christ entered once into the holy place, having yes. obtained eternal redemption for us. And here you're signifying that he had to only die once. It wasn't a continual thing that he had to do time and time again. And you know, that is a contrast to what Israel had to do. Every day they had to appear before God at the altar with a sacrifice for their sins, to be cleansed from the things that they have done and to be right with God. But when Christ came, he was our ultimate example and our all in all that he had to just do it once. He had to sprinkle his blood just once, whereas the Israelites had to do it consistently over and over again. Then he moves on to say, No, before you move on, the reason why is because the blood of goats and bulls and calves were from a sinful world. And because of the sin, we all have sinned and come short. The goats and the calves were of a sinful world. But Christ, even though he came to this sinful world, he was sinless, and therefore they did not need a repetition of this sacrifice, of his sacrifice, as they did with the goats and the calves and those things. He only had to do it once, and we're thankful for the once that he had to do it, and that it was accepted by God. And yet again, you made a very important point. Everything in this world is tainted by sin. So even the sacrifices that the children of Israel brought to God in response to take away their sins, it was from a world that had sin all the way around it. But Christ came from a sinless world. He himself being sinless was not tainted by sin. And his sinless life was not tainted by sin either. So when he presented himself as the ultimate offering for us, that's why it was acceptable for God, because he had no trace of sin on there. Everything yes. that is in this world has a trace of sin in it. It can be presented to God, but yet still it would not be completely righteous before him, because there is a trace of sin everywhere that we look. The only person that had no trace of sin ever was Christ. Yes. That's the point that I never really thought about. Everything in this world has a trace of sin in it. Thereby, it can never really truly be holy before God. No. Only God can take it and clean it up and make it what it needs to be and acceptable before Him. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And we are seeing here that the children of Israel, sacrifice was like a down payment. Their offering of these goats, these bulls, the doves, whatever it was, is to say, we can't pay the full penalty for our sins. We can only put down a partial payment for it. Back in the day, people didn't always have the money to buy outright what they needed as far as a home. And the banks were always requiring you to have a co-signer. And it's the same thing nowadays too. If you don't have enough, they say, do you have somebody to co-sign this loan for you? That in case you default on the loan, the other person will be responsible. If you really look at this example here and what we're talking about, Christ is our ultimate co-signer. If we fail in one aspect, he's able to take the penalty upon himself and pay off that debt in full. And that's where the mediator comes in, where he did pay off all our debts. He canceled out our names on that sheet and wrote his name where our name should be. And because of that, 
in verse 15, he talks about that we have now received the promise of eternal life if we accept Christ. Yes, we have to accept him as our mediator standing in the place of us. We have to accept Christ because that's the way he created us with the power of choice. So we have to choose him. He'll never force himself on us. He is the ultimate sacrifice, but he will never force himself on us. We have to accept his sacrifice and salvation through him. Thereby we can have eternal life. And I think one of the things that helps us to really appreciate what Christ did for us is what Hebrew 9 is talking about, understanding that without Him, we don't really have eternal life at all. No. In, in John chapter 14, verse 6, John says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This here, I believe, really emphasizes how deadly sin is. If you think about what Adam and Eve had before they sinned, they had full access to the Father. Even in a moment of the sin that covered them, they still had access to Jesus because Jesus came and spoke to them and asked them what happened. But you think about it long before the temptation and the fall, they had Christ there. They had the angels. They could talk to them face to face. But John points out our expulsion from paradise and our expulsion from being in the presence of God when he says that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus, through Christ. Jesus Christ. And that's how understanding that Christ is our mediator really sets the stage for understanding that without His name in our prayers, we're not accomplishing anything. Because before our prayers even enter the throne room of God, they have to first pass through Jesus. Yes, we cannot of this sinful nature utter words that would be acceptable to God. And that's why Jesus says, I am that way. I am the way that would be able to take your prayers into the Father. And He would accept it through me because I am the way, the truth. Because sometimes, as the Bible says, we don't know what to pray for. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and He takes what we say and He orders it accordingly and then He takes it to Jesus who would take it ultimately to His Father. And then the Father who always answer Jesus would accept our prayer through his wisdom. And so that's what he says here. He is the way, the truth, and the life, eternal life. We have that life through Jesus, eternal life. And without him, there is no eternal life and there is no way. There is no prayers that are going to be answered except through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because He is our mediator. That reminds me of a question that was posed to Jesus. And we began this topic here focusing on a question that was asked in Bible class. In John 18, verse 38, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. When Pilate was brought before Jesus, he saw and heard things that made him question. 
but he didn't have the answer to it. The reason why I brought that into this discussion here, because in John 14 and 16, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth. When Jesus was standing for Pilate, he asked Christ that question, what is truth? And Jesus was saying, I am the truth. I am the way. But when we think about Christ as our mediator, you'll think about other people that don't understand that if you don't go through Jesus, you're robbing yourself of the experience of being in the presence of God. It's a lot of people put out there in ancient religion that you don't need Christ. You can do these things. You could do these pilgrimage. What's that word? Pilgrimage. Thanks, mom. You could offer all these sacrifices. You do so many things to try to skirt around going to Christ. But Jesus is saying that I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. I am everything. I am all in all. And you could do those things, but you're just going to be like children of Israel. They're not going to benefit you anything if you do not acknowledge me as the mediator, as the one that's had paid the penalty for you. And that's the thing is that I really love about this topic. It points to how much we need to understand how we need Christ in our lives more than anything else. If we want to be able to come to the Father, we first have to accept Jesus because Jesus even says it, the Father loves you because you love me. That's how much love the Father has for His Son. And then again, because of sin, because of sin, we cannot just go to God. As we begin to pray, we can say our Heavenly Father. And why we can say that is because that Jesus paid that ultimate sacrifice. Why we are able to call God our Father. And so therefore, we have that privilege through prayer, through Jesus Christ, to come to God and call him our father. But we have to acknowledge that Jesus is the one who made that possible. We have to acknowledge that. The check is not good if it's not signed in Jesus' name. We have to sign that prayer in Jesus' name so Jesus can present it to our Heavenly Father. Because he's the one who are presenting our prayer request, our thanksgiving, our whatever it is, he is the one who is going to present it. So we have to go in Jesus' name. When we talk about the works of Christ and we talk about the benefits of being able to have Jesus on our side so that we can go to the Father, it's baffling to think about people rejecting Christ, rejecting the works of Christ, rejecting the Word of God. Because I go back to Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I really focus in on the point where he said purge your conscience, means to get rid of it so that you don't have to walk around with this guilt of the sin. By accepting the spirit of God and also the blood of Jesus Christ, so that we are able to serve a living God. In essence, when we reject all these things, we just walked around as dead men and dead women. Yes, also before, when they were offering up these sacrifices in ancient times, the life of anyone is in the blood. So they would have to kill these animals in order to have the sacrifice. So this is what he's saying. It's a living sacrifice 
Christ offered a living sacrifice. Those were dead sacrifices only through the blood that was shed that the sacrifice was made. But in Christ's situation, his blood was shed, but he offered to God for us a living sacrifice. Go back to what you were talking about, which is focusing on the fact that when they slaughtered the animal, the life was taken away from that animal. The life of the animal is the blood. Once the blood is not being circulated through the body and through the heart, it is no longer useful. But when you think about how powerful the blood of Christ is, Christ died, spilled his blood, but he's still alive. Yes. And we have this living blood to cover us. It's not a dead blood because the animals that were used as a sacrificial service, like you said, once the life was extinguished from them, you couldn't use that blood for a very long time. Because we know once the blood outside of the body, it clots up. It's not useful anymore. It goes dead. But what we have here is the Son of God's blood that is able to sprinkle us. That is able to clean us. It's able to make us alive. It's like a transfusion in some ways. And that's how powerful the sacrifice of Christ is, the blood of Christ. And that's how it differs from the sacrificial service that they were doing in the past. That's why in verse 50 he says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. Yes. The old ways were fine for them at that time, but when Christ came, he showed them a different way, a more powerful way. No longer, like you pointed out early on, the things that they were bringing before God no longer had to be used because he still had the taint of sin. Yes, and those sacrifices was pointing towards Christ, who was the ultimate sacrifice. And that was one of the points that I brought up when he was asked the question, why pray in Christ's name when he didn't have to pray in his name? Because I said the sacrificial service pointed to what he would do for us to show our dependence upon him. When we go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, yet again talking about Christ as our mediator, that's the beginning part of this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. That, I think, really speaks volume to where we stand right now. They're saying there's not five different individuals that we have to go through. There's not an earthly way or medium that we have to go through. It is all heavenly. It's all based around one person and one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. Because he said there is only one God and one mediator between man and God. And that is Christ Jesus. Yes. And that goes back to what Hebrews was talking about. There were a lot of sacrifices made as sinners and we just keep on sinning. So they had to have a lot of sacrifices, a lot of bulls and goats and calves and so shed their blood because they had the sacrifice for the sins of men. But this is saying, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that's the end of it. We don't need any more sacrifices. We don't need any other mediator. We don't need anyone else except the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can stand between God and us, stand in our place to God for us. Thereby showing that human beings needed something. Because of sin because of sin or needed someone, but Christ did not need anything because he did not sin at all. He had no sin in him. 
In Seventh-day Adventist belief, it talks about Christ as the priest and the significance of the priest's office. I came about this quote and it really opened up my eyes to how important we, that we need to understand Christ as a mediator. If the sacrifice atoned for sin, why was a priest necessary? The priest's role drew attention to the need for mediation between sinners and a holy God. Priestly mediation reveals the seriousness of sin and the estrangement it brought between a sinless God and a sinful creature. Just as every sacrifice foreshadowed Christ's death, so every priest foreshadowed mediatorial ministry as high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. Amen. Because that's what he's doing for us now. Just as every sacrifice foreshadowed, all the sacrifices of the goats and the bulls and the calves foreshadowed Christ's death. So every priest, because he is our mediator, he's our priest, he's on God's right hand making intercession for us. So every priest foreshadowed Christ's mediatorial ministry as high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. And we all should be very thankful for his high priestly ministry that he is doing every day on behalf of mankind. We should be thankful. He is doing the mediatorial ministry. He is our high priest. He is our mediator. He is our savior. And he's our soon coming king. He's everything to us as God's children. And because of his sacrifice, we are able to claim God as our father and Jesus as our brother. I think I stated early on that growing up in the church, sometimes we don't look at certain topics as we should because you just get used to hearing it time and time again and you thereby just adopt doing it but don't really sit and ask the question why am i doing this why am i praying in the way that i'm praying when i look at what it says here going back about what christ's role in heaven is supposed to do for us as sinful human beings is to awaken our attention of how serious sin is. Sin made a gulf between God and man, and it took the Son of God to breach that gap. Like he said, priestly mediation reveals the seriousness of sin and the estrangement it brought between a sinless God and a sinful creature. That's right. So when we think about prayer, it's not just always about coming to God and asking for things and asking for forgiveness of sin, which we, we need to do. But it's supposed to have us to think daily about how egregious sin is and how it separated us from a sinless God, how we separated us from fellowshipping with the angels, how we completely made this world into a hotbed of death and destruction of evil. And that one individual had to take all that upon himself. I don't think we really sit down and contemplate the work that Christ is doing for us day in and day out by presenting himself as our high priest before a sinless God. When you look back on the sacrificial service, every day they had to come and slaughter the animal and the priest had to do it time and time again. He had to watch these animals' life being taken so that whoever came had an opportunity to live tomorrow and to live on. Christ didn't just had to bear watching animals being slaughtered. He had to bear watching his creation 
slaughter each other and do all these evil things and yet still many individuals would reject him time and time again but yet still he is pleading on their behalf and Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he is ever livid to make intercession for them yes and this is very important and it goes back to how God created us with the power of choice because he says, wherefore he is able. We are coming to God through Jesus who is able to save to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He is not forcing us. He is ready to save us, but he's not pushing himself on us. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Eternal life is already in him. So he is able to save us. And when you look at this verse here, it's a wonderful thing for us that are living in these modern times. Because imagine living in the time where they had to do the daily sacrifice. You had to have the animal. And one of the things that people don't think about often is before you even take that animal to be sacrificed, you had to check it and make sure that it didn't have any blemish, it wasn't sick, it didn't have any mark or anything that would make it unacceptable before God. But because of what Christ did, we have such an easier path to God now than what they did. They had to go through all the hard work. They had to go through all the, the struggles. They had to remain faithful for a Savior to come, which they didn't even have yet. They didn't even know His name at that time. They just knew him by the title meaning messiah but for us that are born after them god has given us an easier path to him through christ jesus where the last part is saying seeing he is ever living to make intercession for us for those that want to know why it's so important for christ to be accepted into their life this here speaks to it because i go back to what you said in the beginning this world is tainted with so much of sin there are so many things that are happening that causes you to wonder truly what is going on, what's happening. But God in his word is letting us know that focus on the work of Christ. Focus on the work that he has done for you. And when you accept him, you now have an open door to me. What we spoke about in the last podcast is when we walk through Christ, that open door, we are able to sit down with the God of the universe and be taught by Him, be in His presence. But if we reject the work of Christ and we reject His Son, that door will not be open to us. Because Hebrews says, seeing He ever liveth, He will always be there to make intercession for us. We don't have to worry about Him going anywhere. That's His daily job, to sit at the right hand of His Father to make intercession for his brothers and sisters who want to come to God, but they have to come through him. So that's his job. And we are very glad that he is able to do that. And to show that only he can do that, because we are still focusing on the fact of how important we acknowledge Christ as our mediator, not just as somebody that we just go to and pray and ask for forgiveness of sin or for our daily needs. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 states, Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, 
whereby we must be saved. That's right. That's one of the, the texts that I mentioned in Sabbath school because it's something, like I said earlier on, that I was taught as a young person. There is any other name out there that has more impact than the name of Jesus. And that's because that name came from somewhere. It came from God himself saying, this is what you're going to call my son. Also in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 25. You want to read that, Mom? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So the first verse says, for all have sinned, which means that we all need a savior. We all need a mediator. We all need that high priest, and that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all need him. We cannot come with our prayers and go directly to God. For Romans 3 says, Paul says, for all have sinned. And because of sin, we need a savior. We need a mediator because we have come short of the glory of God. We cannot just go to God without Jesus. And for those that believe in the word of God or is seeking to understand God, to understand their position before a holy God, you first have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. That's right. In need of a savior. We just can't just say, I am okay because I accept Christ. You have to acknowledge where you have fallen or the sinful nature that is inside of you and we have to do that every day yes because we are sinners by nature and therefore that's what we do first we don't do good first we sin first because that's how we were made and so therefore every day we need to come to God to ask forgiveness of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ and it's daily it's daily and this is pointing to why Christ never needed to pray in his name. Because this is pointing to us the fact that we have this sinful nature. We have something inside of us that has separated us from God. We yes. have this problem. Christ didn't have a sinful nature. When you look at verse 24, being justified freely by his grace to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Christ didn't need to be justified. Christ didn't need redemption. Re no. He didn't need none of those things. So when he was praying to his father, it was always as we strive to do is to have a conversation with God. He was having a conversation with his father. He was gaining strength from his father. But the steps that we need to take, he did not need to take because he did not come with a sinful nature. He came to eradicate sin. He could not have eradicated sin if he himself was sinful. Because like we talked about before in Hebrews, if the blood of goats was sufficient enough, then Christ would not have come. These things were not sufficient enough. Nothing that we do on our own is sufficient enough. All that Christ did was sufficient. There was no sin found in him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, as we really hammer home the importance of praying in the name of Christ, but understanding why we have to do it and he didn't have to do it says for he had made him to be sin 
for us mm -hmm. who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In him, Christ. The righteousness that is of God can only be given to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Who knew no sin. So we have to really understand that the sin issue, we can't escape it. It's here. But the only way that we can bypass it or be removed from it is accepting the fact is that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the light. And that we have to also acknowledge what he's doing. When we look at prayer in this context, to me, appreciating how much Christ sacrificed for me. Yes, this is what Paul is saying in Corinthians. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Do we understand that? God made Jesus to be sin Sin that is so egregious in his sight. Jesus was made that for us who knew no sin. He knew nothing about sin. He was sinless. And that's why he was the only sacrifice that would have been acceptable to God. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him or through him. And now we're going to move to the next part, which is the importance of that name. I want to real quickly look at just two verses that talks about the powerful name of God. In Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, Isaiah says, For thus said the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. And Psalms 111 verse 9 states, He sent redemption unto his people. He have commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent is his name. So we just here defined how God's name is something that we should not take lightly because Psalms 111 verse 9 says, He commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent in his name. And it's appalling to find that in the entertainment world, if you want to curse somebody or you want to show disrespect to someone, you use God's name in such a profane way. Show no respect. But in Leviticus chapter 22 and verse 32, God tells his people, Neither shall you profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you. God foresaw how people would use his name. God saw that maybe at that time they didn't have respect for him, but he's telling his people, don't copy what they're doing. Don't learn to do what you see them doing. Don't even copy their speech because one of the things embedded in their speech is their disrespect of me and the disrespect of my name. And even though in the old scripture you find just the word God there, does not mean that the name of Jesus does not have the same weight as God in Leviticus because Jesus is God. Jesus is God and that's his name. No copying of Jesus' name in today's society can equal Jesus at that time when he came. His name was special because in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, the angels came to Mary and told her, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. God told Mary that I am not even going to leave it up to you to name my son. I'm going to tell you what my son's name is going to be because his name matches up with his role or the work that he should do. 
And we see that work transfer into his being a mediator for men so that we have a way out of our sins, not in our sins, but out of our sins. And attached to that is his holy name. Because the same Jesus that we find in the New Testament is the same Jesus that was in the Old Testament. He was in the cloud. In, he was leading the, the children of Israel. That's right. And he's letting them know that my name, you are going to speak later on in future generations, has the same weight as my name right now. And that's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Because when we go before a holy God, like you often say, Mom, we have to pray in the Spirit because the language of this earth is an abomination to God. It's tainted, like you said in the beginning, by sin. So we first have to pass through discerning eye or we first have to be sifted by the Holy the Spirit. Holy Spirit, yes. He takes our prayers and then make it acceptable or in the language of heaven. Then he goes and he presents it to Jesus. To Jesus. Yes. But one of the keys that unlocks all these doors is first acknowledging that we need a savior and we need a mediator between us. And then second of all, like you said early on, there's a check yes. and that check has a number on there. But yes. in order for the check to be cashed, the name has to be on there. Yes. And on the back of that check, there has to be a signature. That name on the front of the check have to match up the signature on the back. Yes. The name on the front is Christ Jesus. Yes. And the signature is the life and the death and the resurrection and the work that he's doing as our media on the back. Yes. That makes it legal. Legal. Without the death and resurrection, without the mediating work, the name of Jesus really is not valid. Everything has to come together. And that's how powerful the name of Jesus and that's how sad it is that people that believe in the word of God have things or listen to things or watch or around people that disrespect the name of Christ. In John chapter 20 and verse 31, when we're talking about the, the importance of praying in the name of Jesus now, as we move past the mediated work of Christ, he says, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. His name. But these are written, all of the words that we are reading, they are written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that why some people disrespect him, they acknowledge him as Jesus, but some people don't acknowledge him as the Son of God. They don't acknowledge him as God. But this is what John is telling us. These words are written that we might believe because he was with Christ here on earth. This John who wrote this was walking with Christ daily. And he says, I am writing these that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I was with him. And that believing that, ye might have life through his name. And we thank God for Jesus for coming to die for us, that we could have eternal life. Because this life that we have is no life. Eternal life is the life. And we can only have that through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As you were talking, a scripture came to mind that talks about believing and trusting. That's what John was here saying. John is asking us to believe that he's not just Jesus, but he's Jesus the Christ. Because there were many Christ at that time. 
many false messiah but John is saying there's only one and that's Jesus the Christ the son of the God. The son of God. In Psalms 34 verse 8 it says, "Oh taste and see that the Lord, Lord is good. good. Blessed, blessed is, is the, the man, man that trusted in, in him. him." In other words, blessed is the man that put their belief in God. What Psalms is saying to us and what John is also saying to us is just trusting God. Trust in the Christ that came, trust in his message and put it to a test to use your intelligence. The Lord is not saying that we should just trust him blindly and there's not going to be any evidence. John walked with Christ. Yes. John is dead. Those periods are no more. Those places are buried in the sands of time. So we really have little to no evidence of certain things except from the word of God, except from a few writings and except from articles from antiquity. But what God here is saying is that if you want to change in your life, it first begins with my son. If you're looking for an understanding of where things are in this world, look to the word of God and to trust that if you start implementing these things into your life, you will see a change. It might not be according to the examples to the letter that we sometimes read in the Bible, but you would see a change. Because in Psalms 34 verse 8, it begins by saying, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So if I give you a fruit, when you first bite into that fruit, you would see whether or not if it's ripe or if it's unripened. If it's a ripened fruit, then you will continue eating it because it tastes good. So for those of us that are coming to know the word of God, it's like getting a fruit. You're not really sure what it is. But if you keep eating it, you will find out that eventually, yo, I like this. I didn't know that I like this. That's what I believe John here is saying, is that just try believing in Christ, tasting and trusting that what I am giving you as an example here is the true Christ and not the fake one that's out there. And that's why it took a disciple like John to write these words because he was with him. Yes, he's dead and gone, but that's why he left these words that we might read them and understand them. That I was walking with the man Christ Jesus and I want you to believe that he is Christ, the son of God. And if you believe what I'm saying to you, you might have life through the name the name of Jesus is very, very powerful. People are healed because of the name of Jesus. Sinners come to know God through Jesus. That name of Jesus is very, very powerful. Also the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our sins. And when you're talking about the name of Jesus being powerful, Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Amen. when we are looking to receive something of God, it first has to come to Jesus, but also turning away from our previous life. Because that's what Peter was telling them. Repent and be baptized. Meaning, be sorrowful for the things that you have done. Be sorrowful for the life that you have lived. And turn away and from it. turn away from it. And then there's a baptism that needs to be made because Christ is our author example. He was also baptized. Going back to why we need a mediator and Christ didn't need one. When Christ was baptized, there was no repentance. He didn't have to repent for anything. He just went down into the baptismal pool 
But there was nowhere in that account where Christ first had to repent of any of his sins. No. Because he was a sinless human being. So that shows you But how... he came to leave us an example yes. in every way. If he had come and not gotten baptized, we wouldn't need to be baptized. But Christ came to show us the example that we need to get baptized. He needed to leave that example in every area that we as the followers of Christ should follow. Looking back at what Peter points out here is the gift of the Holy Spirit is not often received up amongst individuals is because one there is no repentance of sin and two the baptism is not done in the name of Jesus so when we are looking to have our prayers being answered and our prayers moving past like you said the ceiling and into the throne room we need to know the steps that we need to take for that to happen there needs to be a repentance. There needs to be a baptism. That baptism has to be done in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name is unlike any other name. We can't just throw it out there. We can't use it for our own personal gain. His name is holy and reverent because it is the name of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12 states, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it really mean to be a Christian? It means to carry the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. And when we look at carrying the name of Christ, we have to say, am I carrying that name responsibly? Am I showing that the name of Christ is glorified in my life? Am I glorifying God by the things that I do, the things that I say, the places that I go? And in closing, Revelation chapter 15, verse 4 says this, who is also written by John, yes. who walked with Christ and knew more about him, the, him than anyone else who shall not fear thee O lord and glorify thy I name am. for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest the first part of it is very powerful because it kind of encapsulates everything we've been talking about here for a while who shall not fear thee O lord and glorify that name when we use the name of jesus we are glorifying god Amen. When we begin our prayers acknowledging that Christ is our mediator and the reason why we even have access to God is because of the work that Christ is doing in the most holy place. And then also when we end our prayer with that holy name, because John said, for thou only art holy. So Christ only is holy. His name is holy. It's a holy name because it's a holy person. He had to veil his holiness so that he can be amongst us but when he went to heaven he can resume that kingship and that holiness and that holy priesthood that he held before so i'm admonishing whoever is listening to understand how powerful the name of jesus is that when we pray in the name of jesus we have more power on our behalf than without that name but it also shows that we accept the fact is that we are sinful human beings living in a tainted sinful world and we need his sinless life, his sinless death, his sinless blood, and his sinless work on our behalf so that we can be accepted before God. Amen. Any closing thoughts, Mom? Well, all I have to say is I, I thank God for Jesus and for the sacrifice that he has made on behalf of humankind. 
and I pray that as this go forth, that it would meet the ears of those who are searching for a living God, not a dead God that some people worship time after time. He's a living God sitting at the right hand of the throne of his father, and he's making intercession for us daily. So let us not be fearful, but let us come boldly to the throne of grace and make our petitions there, but never forget to mention in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you and we give you praise today for what you have helped us to accomplish. We thank you for the power that comes along with the name, the name Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary so that all those who want to believe on him would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And we do ask you now that you would please to forgive us for those that we have committed, those that we have committed and we don't even realize as sins we ask forgiveness as well. We thank you, dear Lord, for those who will come to listen to this podcast, that they will get a fresh understanding of who Jesus is and how important his name is in their lives and in our lives. May your continued blessing be upon us as we worship you, as we serve you day by day. And we are giving you thanks now, dear Jesus, for your work as mediator between your Father for us as human beings, sinful human beings, as we continue to worship you and to serve you here so that we all would be able to go home with you when you come, is my prayer in Jesus' name.